Hello, and welcome to the Treehouse Letter, where we share true stories, letters, thoughts on everything that matters, and just as much that doesn't. I am Milin Shatton, your host and producer. And today's podcast involves important matters. I want to talk to you about what I call the Corona Trolley and the Fat Man. First, I want to share the problem with you. The trolley thought experiment first put forth by the philosopher Philippa Foote pits two schools of moral thought against each other, deontological ethics and utilitarianism, or in simple words, the former means doing what's right and the latter means doing what results in the most or greatest good. There have been many versions of the problem since Foote first devised it in 1967. Here's the basic case. A runaway trolley is heading toward five people strapped on the main track ahead. There's a lever where you are standing, which will turn the trolley onto a spur, and there is one person strapped to the side track. If the trolley remains on course, the five will die. If the trolley is switched to the side track, one will die. You are standing next to the switch. What do you do? And moreover, what is the right thing to do? Now, the version I want to discuss involves the fat man. And I apologize for the word fat because it is offensive, but it was the original term used and it is essential to the experiment. And this is my version updated to fit the times. I call it the Corona Trolley and the Fat Man. A runaway trolley is heading towards five people strapped onto the main track ahead. The trolley represents the novel coronavirus, and it is the instrument of death. Assume the five people represent natural COVID deaths, the deaths that would occur given the status quo, that is, doing nothing. The fat man is strapped onto the tracks of the spur with two people strapped behind him. The fat man represents the U.S. economy, and the two people behind him represent other deaths, such as those from suicide or financial ruin. Flipping the switch means killing the fat man, who is sufficiently large enough to slow down the trolley. He will die. The two people behind the fat man on the sidetrack may or may not die. So the moral dilemma. The dilemma involves staying the course on the main track and doing nothing, or making an intentional decision to switch to the spur. Do the five men's right to life outweigh the fat man's right to life and the potential deaths of the other two? The utilitarian would find it morally compelling to take one life, or possibly three, over five lives. In such case, you are morally obligated to flip the switch. But what if the fat man is a virologist who develops the vaccine for COVID? And what about the two men, or the two people who might die behind the fat man, from suicide or a heart attack from job loss? Each person should be treated as an end and not simply as a means to an end. Each person has a moral claim to life. Therefore, the deontological philosopher would find it morally wrong to kill the fat man because it requires intentionally flipping the switch. But what if the fat man, um, oh, excuse me, that is, deciding to change the track 
treats that fat man simply as a means to save the five people in denying his right to live. So it's a dilemma. Even from a purely utilitarian view, how can we weigh the collapse of an economy and the destruction and death which results from flipping that switch against the deaths of the status quo had the economy remained running? And that leads me to my next point, the consequences of killing the fat man. In a historic decision, the U.S. has shut down a booming economy because of the pandemic. Killing the fat man for most American means, lockdown of commerce, and stay-at-home mandate, essentially a government-imposed quarantine. Flipping this switch has serious consequences, so let's consider both good and bad. The good. These consequences are obvious. By not leaving our homes, keeping socially distanced, the spread of the virus slows, and there are fewer deaths from COVID. People understand what it means to flatten the curve, the science behind the lockdown measures which show a decreased growth rate of the virus. There are also fewer unintentional deaths, such as those from car crashes or industrial accidents. And there's less air pollution. The bad. Now for the downside. How do we weigh the destruction to the economy, the business closure, job loss, widespread financial hardship, personal isolation, as well as other deaths such as those from suicide. Because killing the fat man does not prevent the deaths of the two people behind him on the spur. Data show that significant groups of the population are minimally affected by the virus with symptoms similar to a common cold or flu. Economic hardship and devastation are brutal realities for many Americans such as those, and especially those, who are single, unemployed, financially ruined. The emotional and mental effects are debilitating and potentially fatal. And I will share two true anecdotes. The first from the Air Force Times this April 1st. Quote, social distancing restrictions at the Air Force Academy have been relaxed after it is reported two cadet suicides in less than a week following attempts to slow the spread of the coronavirus, unquote. The cadets who died by suicide were seniors set to graduate this spring. Military culture involves close quarters living and unit cohesion, esprit de corps or morale, an essential aspect of readiness and deployment. After the deaths, the academy has since lifted the, quote, prison-like restrictions. The second antidote, anecdote, a friend lives in the Midwest, and she had to shut down her bakery, which employed over 40 people. The bakery has been in operation for 32 years. Many employees live check to check and have little to no other financial means. The owner is not able to cover the payroll and rent, despite a successful business before the lockdown. Her county has only one COVID death to date. As of today, 22 million Americans have filed unemployment and businesses are facing insolvency across the country. Those with government jobs, such as our politicians, Congress, or teachers, continue to receive pay. Yet workers in the private sector, especially people who are unable to commute online, are suffering with 22 million unemployed. The longer the lockdown goes on, the more vulnerable people, people will become. So, to understand the broader risk of death and COVID, let's review mortality data. 
death statistics in context from the Centers for Disease Control in 2017 and 2018. Deaths that I will share with you are rounded to the nearest thousand. The total U.S. death count for COVID to date, this April 17th, is 33,903. In 2017, about 2.8 million Americans died. The top two causes of death are heart disease and cancer. These account for just under half of all deaths at 1.2 million. That is roughly 100,000 deaths per month. The third leading cause is unintentional deaths with 169,000 in 2017. These deaths include 36,000 deaths from falls, 40,000 deaths from car crashes, and 65,000 deaths from drug overdose. The flu and pneumonia account for 56,600 deaths in 2017 and closer to 60,000 deaths last year. And there were over 47,000 suicides in 2017. So COVID also results in deaths of a number of critically ill or immunosuppressed who would have died from other causes this year. So the number regardless of attribution will be evident in the total deaths over a time period. As of today, April 17th, COVID deaths are trailing behind each one of these categories separately. Annual flu and pneumonia deaths, deaths from falls, car crashes, drug overdose, and suicides. Living means taking risks. On average, given that data, some of the data I just shared, I have a significantly higher chance of dying from heart disease, cancer, and dementia than from coronavirus, the flu, or pneumonia. And getting in my car puts me at a higher risk of death than dying from COVID. Here's the catch. Being born means risk. Crossing the street, getting on the school bus, leaving the house, driving a car, working in a factory. And COVID, while insidious and a pandemic, presents greater risk to certain populations along a certain continuum of all risks, risks that I just shared. So switching the lever and killing the fat man has hurt 22 million Americans. It has destroyed businesses. It brought a thriving economy to its knees. Given the context of deaths related to the novel coronavirus and total death data, especially with the number of cases decreasing, a forced quarantine for low-risk populations in low-case regions is an unprecedented and egregious infringement of individual civil liberties. Does the worker and the baker have a right to her job, to earn a living wage, to live, to be free, and to pursue happiness? As a low-risk group, should high school and college seniors have to miss their final days in graduation, especially in low-risk areas? Who has the higher moral claim? The five people on the main track or the fat man and the two people on the spur? Do the Air Force cadets who committed suicide have an equal claim to life as the octogenarian hospice who was waiting to die and died due to COVID? Antiviral drugs are beginning to show significant success, and we must and should continue to protect 
at-risk groups such as seniors and immunosuppressed individuals. In closing, some might argue that we should not equate saving an economy with saving lives. That if we save just one life, it was worth it. Yet we make these decisions every day. We could ban automobiles, swimming pools, and bathtubs and save tens of thousands of American lives every year. But we don't. We instinctively have understood these trade-offs, and yet, in this case, something has gone awry. And people are pilloried by the media for suggesting that the economy is an important discussion. The decision makers who are politicians and government employees have no concern whether their paycheck will arrive at the end of the month. And just 11 years ago, in 2009, the H1N1 swine flu is believed to have killed 12,000 Americans. And the idea of shutting down the economy never entered the conversation. Perhaps it is the fear of the unknown virus. Images of the Hollywood movies Contagion and Outbreak haunting people's subconscious. Perhaps it's the social media mania or the politics. Regardless of the reason, we must have this discussion. The case to not kill the fat man or the two people on the track behind him needs to be heard. A couple of noteworthy facts. The United States death rate has been increasing annually since 2008, from its low at 8.124 to its current rate of 8.88. And that rate means 8.88 deaths per 1,000 each year. Italy's death rate is 10.658. According to the CDC, as of April 17th, deaths from all causes for the pandemic period beginning February 11th, are down to 92% of expected deaths. That's the end of today's podcast. Please visit thetreehouseletter.com to see CDC statistics and charts, as well as death totals, mortality data, and COVID links referenced in today's podcast. Wishing you good health and strong spirits, and thank you for listening. (laughs) 